You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. We don't like them. They don't like us. And, and we're, we're going we're to come here Tuesday ready to work. We're going to have a great week. It's time to go win. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. And here we go. Kicking off hour number three of the show. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in Bristol, Connecticut on the campus of ESPN. And join us now on the phone lines is our good friend John Eisenberg, author of Rocket Man. And John, thanks so much for your time. It's been a minute since we've talked, but I do appreciate you. And I'm excited about your book, Rocket Man. It's the really the history of the black quarterback and how it's evolved from way back when, when Warren Moon was having to go and play in different leagues to all of a sudden being a Pro Football Hall of Famer to what we just saw in the Super Bowl when it was Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts. Uh, for you, and I always like to ask this question off top, when you decided to write this book, why why was it so important for you to get this out? Well, I mean, it's uh, that's a really good question, and it is. It's really great to be with you again. And uh, this is my 11th book, and I've, I've written books of football history. I've written books about baseball, the horse racing. I always like to uh, write sort of mine the history of various sports and come up with things that have a, a, a significance beyond the boundaries of the playing field. And uh, a lot of the football history that I wrote, and I was a sports writer for 40 years, and so a lot of the stuff unfolded right in front of me. And, uh, you know, race was always a subject. Uh, you just couldn't avoid it, and it, it was uh, important. And, and uh, you know, it was just a thread that kept coming up in my books. I mean, if you write about football history and you talk to those guys, uh, you know, say early history of the Dallas Cowboys, which I wrote some. You talk to those guys, the black players on those teams. You know, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's really interesting. They look at things differently than a lot of people thought, and so it's always been in in the front of my mind. Uh, you know, to, to uh, keep that in mind, what the story was, and with the black quarterback, I'm in Baltimore now, and uh, you know, I watched Lamar Jackson come in here, and uh, the last five or six years, and how that's gone. It's just fascinating to me to watch how how he waited so long to be drafted and then was drafted and then the reaction and just all of it really just brought it front in mind for me. And it, it's a huge story, the history of black quarterbacks. And uh, it just made me think, you know, uh, watching Lamar a little bit, it was like, well, how did we get here uh, that this is a big deal? And what exactly happened? And really dive into the history and find out, you know, uh, bring the, connect the past to the present. So that's what I did. You know, and when you put this book together and going through all your writings and everything that you learned and anybody that you may have talked to for, you know, input on the book, was there a moment that you were just kind of like, wow, even though you know it's true and you kind of witnessed it and, and been through it, but it kind of almost took you back as like, wow, this is unbelievable that this was really going on? Oh, my, there are so many things. Uh, I'll be honest with you. One, one thing that struck me as I was writing it was I was in the press box for some of this stuff and. I can't believe what went on in front of my eyes, and I wasn't even aware of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, shame on me. But, the, uh, you know, you can go back before that a little bit. James Harris, who, uh, you know, was a quarterback of the Rams in the 70s and was an NFL executive after that, he told me a story that uh, when he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills in 1969 out of Grambling, the same year that O.J. was drafted, 
he goes up there for training camp, and he didn't have any money because he had to sign a contract. His college coach, Eddie Robinson, is negotiating his contract for him, no agent. And he goes to the team and says, I need uh, you know, I need a little money here. I've got to buy a sandwich now and then. And so they gave him a job cleaning his teammates' cleats in the locker room. Wow. Now, I don't think – now, talk about something that will set you back. It was like, are oh, you got to be kidding me. And I don't think it lasted very long, but it did happen. And uh, at the end of training camp, he was a starting quarterback. <laughs> he won the job in training camp. He starts the season opener, but that's how his training camp began. Stories like that just – just almost make you sit down. Yeah, you you think? I mean, I don't I don't think any quarterback. If you told them now that hey, this is what you're going to have to do, they would say, "Come on, man, you're trying to punk me, or there's some hidden camera somewhere, and you're trying to play a, yeah. a prank on me." That is incredible. Wow, that's that's something that I had never heard. And you know, there's so many stories, and of course, we you know we know the history of Warren Moon and what he had to do to get into the NFL and eventually become a Pro Football Hall of Famer. How important was it that guys like Warren were able to do that and be so successful and almost start to open the eyes, even though it still took so long for it to be more accepted? Well, yes. I mean, I would pinpoint three guys in the late '70s and really in the '80s. Uh, it, the 80s is when at least the, the, the old notions that started to, to wane a little bit, you know. I mean, let's face it, you know, for many years what people thought was, I mean, it's just racist notions, you know. They, it was just, you know, they can't, you know, black quarterback, you, you can't, you know, he's not going to lead, he, uh, you know, he's not smart enough, all this just awful stuff. And so it had to be disproven on the field. And so the guys that disproved it, Doug Williams wins the Super Bowl. Warren Moon comes into the NFL and it's just unbelievably good. Randall Cunningham gets drafted, and the Eagles' Buddy Ryan sets him loose, and he he's just unbelievable. Nobody's ever seen a quarterback like that. Those guys, uh, those three, I would say, and Doug in the Super Bowl, just sort of just debunked it and said, "Listen, those ridiculous ideas that were out there—they're just wrong." They're just wrong, and look at his play is basically what they did with their play. And so that opened the door a little bit. From that point forward, it was at least, hey, listen, you know, you can put a guy out there and he can win. And so then you began to see guys get drafted. Steve McNair, 1995 to me, third overall pick, a huge figure in this story because, uh, you know, can can a black quarterback lead – well, I mean, has any quarterback been a, a better leader than Steve McNair for, for many years? Tough, a leader, smart, and, you know, just disproved so much of the, those old thoughts. And so then, then you start to see eyes open up finally. And so, you know, that generation of guys just opened the eyes of, of people to, to understand that what had been thought was, was true before was just flat-out wrong. Again, we're talking with John Eisenberg here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness, talking about his book, Rocket Man. And it's funny, you mentioned, uh, you know, Steve McNair. He came from a small school, Alcorn State. And then we, we just saw and witnessed over the weekend with Colorado and Dion's son, who obviously played at HBCU in Jackson State last year, and then went out there on the big stage and beat TCU. You know, again, guys like, like Steve McNair have made it, made it not possible, but kind of showed and proved that, hey, these guys, no matter where they come from, they could play at this level, and, and leading and, and being smart enough to play the position is, is not a problem. Not a problem at all. And, and uh, so, of course, you can fast forward to the, uh, you know, the most recent Super Bowl where you've yeah. got two black starters for the first time, and that's, 
that's great, and that should be celebrated without a doubt. Uh, but what it tells you is, uh, you know, there was a lot of opportunities lost along the way. What, what this is is a story of opportunity uh, more than anything else, opportunities that were denied for so long, and then finally opportunities that, however grudging, opportunities that were given. And so, and, you know, guys made the most of them and opened up eyes. And so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a story with ups and downs. There's no doubt. There's no Jackie Robinson moment in right. the story. There's not just one guy. It was many, many moments along the way. You know, it was Chuck, Chuck uh, uh, Knox, you know, in the mid-70s, saying James Harris is on his taxi squad and he makes him the starting quarterback and he ends up in the NFC Championship game. He doesn't mind putting a black player quarterback and he wins in the 1970s. So guys, there's just a million of them along the way, little heroes that that just ever, you know, made decisions that eventually helped change the groupthink that had prevailed for so long. You know, and that's what I always say, that we should celebrate guys like that. And, you know, us here on Raider Nation Radio 920, we always celebrate Al Davis because in any position, Al didn't mind who you were, what, what you looked like, what your gender was, what your race, what your beliefs were. As long as you can get the job done, that's what he believed in. And so I always respected that. And, John, I always thought when he selected Terrell Pryor in the in – the, uh, in the, the, not the draft, but the, whatever the round was. I forget what it's called now. But um, supplemental draft, excuse me. They got him right. in the third round. I felt like he was kind of ahead of the curve. He was looking for his Lamar Jackson. He was looking for his Jalen Hurts. Yeah. He just had the wrong guy. Well, listen, Al, there, there's a whole chapter in my book on Eldridge Dickey, yep. uh, drafted by the Raiders in the first round in 1968, a, a round before they took Ken Stapler. <laughs> right. And, uh, I mean, and it is a snapshot of a world, pro football world that you can't believe existed because can you imagine that today, quarterbacks in the first two rounds? I mean, you, you know, you can't do it. I mean, literally your show. I mean, right. they, I mean they would just explode the fans. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the, you know, Dickey coming out of Tennessee State, an unbelievable talent, and uh, the Raiders were bold enough to do that and just set pro, and it set pro football on its ear with that decision, a great thing. Uh, you know, that's the first first round draft pick, a black quarterback. There you uh, go. And so that's a great thing. But now, you know, it didn't work out. Right. And, uh, you know, he wound up, I mean, they had so many guys at quarterback. It's really halfway a story about what pro football was like. And they had like six quarterbacks. And he was just a kid and he needed grooming. But if it came along today and you're drafted in the first round, you know, they give you the keys to the franchise. I mean, you know, it would have been a completely different story 40 years later, 50 years later. We would have gotten that opportunity. Uh, and But, again, that, that, that's what it's the story's about. But there, there, that chapter with Al Davis, and he said in that, I haven't quoted in the book, he said, I don't care if he's polka dot. Right. You know, I mean, he just didn't care at all. And so it needs more people like that in pro football back in the day. There's no doubt about it. John Eisenberg is our guest here again on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, talking about his book that's out right now, Rocket Man. And I think this is a very good story that anyone who's an NFL fan just needs to deep dive into and learn, just to learn the history of the NFL and the black quarterback. And look, this past draft, three the, the top three quarterbacks were all black quarterbacks. Three out of the top four guys were all black quarterbacks. So the narrative is starting to change. But, John, I feel like there's still a long ways to go. Absolutely. Uh, the narrative definitely is changing. When, when I saw that, two, two guys in the Super Bowl and then those top draft picks, it's like, great. You know, that really does show you that uh, 
things are changing a little bit. But there's no doubt it's still, uh, I mean, the, the black quarterback population uh, is smaller. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the black population at quarterback is still much smaller than it is at other positions. Just That's just a fact. And, uh, you know, fewer starters. Uh, and uh, the other thing uh, to consider, I mean, if you're a great talent like that, uh, and you get drafted high and they give you the franchise, that's great. But, you know, it's a lot harder to sort of come in as a fourth-round pick. I mean, Dak Prescott did it, yeah. but uh, it, it's hard to find. So, uh, yes, and there's still some notions, you know. I mean, you know, Kyler Murray being told he's got to study film four hours a day, you know, uh, one, uh, four hours a week, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in his contract, I mean, Warren Moon, I talked about that, just went nuts. Warren Moon went nuts. He says, I cannot believe that. That's like going back 40 years, you know, the kind of stuff that, uh, you know, was going on back then, trying to control behaviors and, and things like that. So it does rear its head now and then still. And, and the, you know, the fact that Lamar Jackson, at the you know, was told, uh, you know, he refused to run uh, the 40 at the combine yeah. because he knew he was going to be fast, and they would say, oh, boy, you know, you'll be a good receiver. Mm-hmm. So, uh uh, you know, it, it, it's it's never that far away, but it has changed. But uh, James Harris told me it go, it continues. It continues yeah. on the question. No, there's no doubt it, it continues on. You know, it always blows my mind as a big college football fan. Of course, we just seen the first week of college football. There's plenty of black quarterbacks in college, but as soon as it get ready to come to the NFL, it's like, yeah, I don't think this or I don't. You know, this guy needs to be a DB or a wide receiver or a switch position to this, that, and the other. You just don't hear that for, for anybody else. It's it's always the black quarterback, and that just shows that there's still a lot of questions. And like you said with Lamar, going the last pick in the first round, when you look back at it, it probably should have been the first pick in the first round as good as he is. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. As I slowly, it took me three years to do this book and uh, unpacked the stories of many guys and many generations, and that was just a constant. It was a constant. Oh, you should go play this position. Oh, you should go play that position. Uh, you know, you can go through football history, just just tons of guys. Conridge Holloway, uh, a guy that played at Tennessee, first uh, black starter in the SEC, I believe, at, at Tennessee, uh, was, uh, you know, a phenomenal talent. Uh, sort of Kyler Murray, years and years ahead of time, well, he never had a chance to play in the pros. And they drafted him and said, well, you'll be a good defensive back or, you know, a wildcat, but you're never going to be the starting quarterback. So he went to Canada. Right. He just went to Canada. That's what a bunch of guys did, and he's in the Hall of Fame up there. So, and if he were playing today with RPOs and things like that, I mean, there is no telling what might happen. But uh, the, you know, there's generations of guys that just didn't get that opportunity, which is unfortunate. Do you think that the more opportunities are being presented now because of what you just mentioned, RPOs and the style of ball that's being played? There's a lot more of the college element added to the offenses now. Uh, absolutely, and I, this I, this is something I trace in the book a little bit, and uh, I, I think it was very. What happened was to me, it's the generation that came in within within in 2011 and 12. You see the drafting of uh, Cam Newton, mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, Russell Wilson, and Robert Griffin, who was as good as those others until he got hurt. Right. And those guys were all you know great. Uh, you know they were the outstanding they were mobile they were great runners they could do the rpo and they could throw the ball and so i think at that moment uh the nfl finally after years of saying we're going to take these guys that are mobile and are great at that instead of 
making them be drop back passers. We're going to we're going to adapt to what they do well. Finally happened, uh, and it came up from college football. Uh, you know, college football definitely influenced the NFL in that regard. It's a key thing because from that point forward, you know, you're just seeing it all over the NFL now. And I think those are the guys. Those are your real revolutionaries that I think changed pro football, uh, you know, how it will be played. You know, no more of that just straight drop back and stay in the pocket. I mean, it's still there. There's no doubt. And, you know, Tom Brady won however many Super Bowls. But, uh, you know, it's still there. But there's room for both now instead of just one way. Yeah, there's no doubt. Well, his book is called Rocket Man. He's John Eisenberg. It's out right now. John, let everyone know how to get the book. The book is, uh, the pub date was today, I'm glad to say, and it is everywhere. It is on uh, Amazon, it's at barnesandnoble.com, it's at all the bricks and mortar stores, wide distribution, anywhere you get a book, you will, you will be able to get this book, Rocket Man. There you go. Well, final thing I, I wanted to ask you, I know you gave us a little bit of a story, a little, uh, one of your teases from the, the, the book, uh, one, one, more, one more story that kind of, you know, I don't want to say blew your mind, but kind of surprised you when, you when you heard it and learned it about the book. Well, golly, uh, the, the, there were so many. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Warren Moon, uh, who was who was great, who was a, a, a great interview. Uh, you know, Warren Moon coming out of the University of Washington in 1978 went undrafted, and he told me, and, and that's of course now a famous thing. He's the only undrafted, I think, uh, in the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure he was not. Well, of course, some of them were before there was a draft, so. Right. I'm not exactly sure that's right, but, uh, you know, an undrafted player that goes eventually in the Hall of Fame, but he told me, you know, he he was rooting to be undrafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, what, what are you talking about? And, you know, he said, uh, when I, uh, you know, I knew, I knew, because his agent, Lee Steinberg, told him, they're not going to let you play. They are not going to let you play. And he had won the Rose Bowl as a senior. And uh, he said, I'm going to have to go to Canada and play. And he said, if I'm good enough up there, I'm going to want to come back and play eventually. And if I'm drafted, then one team will hold my rights. And if I'm not drafted, then I'm a free agent when I come back. He told me this. And so, uh, you know, he comes back. I mean, it, it worked out exactly like that. And so all those years later, after he goes to Canada, he wins the Great Cup five times. That's what it took for him it, with the Edmonton Eskimos. took for him to prove himself and come back. Once he did that, he comes back. And he is indeed a free agent, and uh, you know he could choose with any team. And he became the highest-paid player in NFL history at that point when he signed a black quarterback in 1984. Wow. Uh, and all because he did not get drafted. Yeah. So uh, you know, but uh, you know, that's I mean, how much talent does that guy have to not get drafted? Is just an amazing thing. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That's a hell of a story right there. John, before I let you go, I just got this text message on our don'tbebroke.com text line from Slow Jam James. He said, Baltimore now has the first in NFL history all-black quarterback room, not just the players, but the quarterback coaches too. How about that, John? That, that is true. And the quarterback coach is T. Martin, yep. who uh, won a national championship with uh, Tennessee. Tennessee, yep. yep. Uh, and, uh, yep, he's the quarterback coach in Baltimore. That's actually where I am. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a thing, you know, the, well, the Ravens, you know, they've had Ozzie Newsom here as a general manager yeah. for many years. And that's a game changer. Let me tell you when it comes to roster construction, uh, and, uh, he has never been afraid to have black starters, black quarter, you know, black 
backup quarterbacks, everything. So, uh, you know, they, they've always had that going here. It's a good thing. You know, I always thought that, and I remember being at the draft and actually interviewing Lamar before he was drafted, I always felt like when he was drafted by Baltimore, that was the best place for him. He just, to me, and you're there, he embodies what it is to be in Baltimore and be a Baltimore Raven. It's such a perfect fit as far as I'm concerned. It's a great fit, and, uh, you know, it's quite a tale uh, that uh, after just one year, uh, they, they just gave him the keys to the franchise. They redid the offense with Greg Roman. And uh, and uh, and get, you know let him let him do it. And in his second year in the league, after barely getting drafted in the first round, he's MVP. And just yep. an amazing story. It really is. I think they're in for a good season this year as well. I'm excited to see what the new offense looks like under Todd Monken because it won't be just run, 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 Lamar. It's going to be a lot of his arm as well. Well, John, thanks so much for your time, man. It's great catching up with you. Uh, Definitely looking forward to getting your book. I'm hoping to get a few of them uh, copies and and, and hand them out as well on the radio station, man. I'm looking forward to, like I said, deep diving into it. But thank you so much for uh, joining us on on the day that it was published and, and released. We definitely appreciate you. Great, great. Well, I appreciate being on with you, and uh, uh, thanks for the support. Much appreciated. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. There he goes. John Eisenberg right there, author of Rocket Men, and it's out right now. You can go get it and uh, working on getting some copies so we can hand out on the radio station. Anytime we get uh, a book opportunity and, and uh, you know, to get to deep dive into a book, I like to do that. I think that it's important to kind of educate everyone uh, on the history of the NFL, history of, uh, in this situation, black quarterbacks and, you know, just everything else that comes about. You know, if we get these opportunities, I like to bring them to the table. So, uh, Slow Jam James, thanks so much for that text. I do appreciate you. That was a nice little nugget to drop in at the end of that uh, interview. Let's go ahead and go out to the phone lines real quick before we take a break. Let's talk to our guy, Tim from the Lone Star State. Tim calling from Texas. Welcome to the show. Hello. How y'all doing? Uh, we're blessed. Uh, I was just uh, calling about, I know earlier um, this morning when I was listening to your show, um, uh, uh, how everyone was talking about, you know, our rankings, how they got us ranked, uh, what was it, 24th or 25th in the NFL? Yeah, got 25th. ranked number 14 and all that stuff. And I know I was listening to JT earlier talking about how everybody from ESPN and whoever else, NFL Network, is talking down about the Raiders. Uh, but, I mean, we go through that stuff every year. So, I mean, I know we got a win on the football field, but mm-hmm. the disrespect is kind of real. And um, even though we two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half point underdogs against the Broncos, that, that's the only thing that's really kind of disrespectful to me because I think I really believe that we're going to kill the Broncos. I mean, I think we're going to beat them pretty bad. And uh, and um, as far as the Chandler Jones situation stuff go, I don't know. Maybe he just had a breakdown or something like that. I don't know what's really going on. But um, if, I mean, if he want to go, he can go. Uh, he ain't doing nothing anyway. <laughs> I know that's right, Tim. Thanks for the call, man. Definitely appreciate your really good stuff there, my man. And uh, yeah, as far as you know, and I talked about that on the podcast, uh, ESPN, which I'm in the building right now, uh, had the Raiders ranked at 25th. Right, and they had uh, the Chiefs ranked number one in the NFL. They also had uh, the Chargers at number seven, and the Broncos at fourteen. And that, you know, again, the, the Raiders being ranked last in the division and and low like that, twenty fifth overall, is not a big surprise to me. But I'm I'm just still so shocked, and maybe I shouldn't be. I'm so shocked on how much love the Broncos get. It feels like every year, and I ask the same question every year: Why? Right? I mean, that's the only question I ask is why. 
And, you know, Bronco guys will come on the show and talk about, you know, how great Denver is and what they're doing. And Nathaniel Hackett has found the key to success. And now it's Sean Payton changed the culture and unlocking Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson's in great shape. And he's just that. Look, man, show me. Right. Show me. I just don't. I don't see it. And I don't understand. And, and look, I get it. When you're when it's the betting lines, you're given three points, you know, at home. But right now, the Raiders are like four-point underdogs. They've beat the Broncos six times in a row. In a row! And they're four-point underdogs in this game. And, you know, the thing is, as much as it blows my mind, and I, you know, talk about it and scratch my head and, and all that, I think the Raiders are cool with that. I, think, I honestly believe that they're fine. Yeah, underestimate us. Yeah, we ain't worth the salt. That's cool. Our quarterback, yeah, he's not going to be around long. He's going to get injured. Yeah, our wide receiver's not happy. Our defensive end's not happy. Josh Jacobs is only going to be here a year. Think all. The, I think they're fine with all the negative narratives that are out there, and some of it comes from Raider Nation. Let's not get it twisted. It's not all from. It's not all external. <laughs> some of it's internal too. Let's not get it twisted. I think that they're fine with it, though. I think they're fine with just going about their business. Nobody thinking that they're going to be worth the salt. And then if they do, and again, they've got to go do it on the field. It's nothing I could talk about, Tim could talk about, Ari or anyone else. They've got to go out there and prove it on the field. But I think that they're okay with, with people just underestimating them. You know, like Dion said, what did he say all summer? We coming. We coming. Everyone's like, okay. I doubted them. Hell, they were 20-and-a-half-point underdogs. I ain't going to lie to you. I thought that they were going get, to get the brakes beat off them by TCU. There ain't no joke. TCU was in the damn national championship game a year ago. I definitely doubted doubted Dion in Colorado. I looked at those guys when they lined up on the field. I was at Indicup Barbershop on Saturday watching the game. We were all there chilling, watching the game. I looked at the size of the players alone and said, "Oh man, Colorado's too small. Colorado's too small. They they they're not going to be able to they're not going to be able to sustain this." Yeah, okay. Well, look I, again. I tell you all the time. I don't have a problem being wrong. I sure was rooting for for uh, for Colorado. You know, again, that's that's my thing. I don't root for someone to lose because I want to be right, right? I'd rather be wrong and say, hell, I was, I'm was. i happy to be wrong. I'll tell you one thing. Me, Vegas Jess, Jason, we all went to the 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 uh, Golden golden Circle. That's where it's at, right? The uh, TI Golden Circle? Golden was, Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Yeah, thank you. Go, <laughs> thank you, man. Look, there's so many different – man, look, we got the Underground Lounge. We got the Golden Circle. We got this – we got so many different places. But, yeah, we went to the Golden Circle. Uh, Lindsey Brown from the Morning Tailgate, she was there with Chris Chapman on on a Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m., and they do a show on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. So after I got my hair cut, uh, I went down there and met up with Vegas Jess and, and Jason, and believe it or not – um, the show was already over. <laughs> Lindsay and Chapman were already gone because by the time I got there, but we watched that game. I tell you the story to tell you that when Colorado scored a, a touchdown late in the in the game, everybody, every swinging D in there started cheering. And the thing I said to Vegas Jess was, that's the Dion effect. Nobody, and I mean nobody in this room, is a Colorado fan, but they are right now. Everybody's rooting. My mom's texting me, are you watching this? Yeah, I'm watching this. She got She's an emotional wreck all the time. She got a tear in her eye. Right, she had a couple tears in her eye when 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 Dion's team won, and and for me, I, I was I was not emotional, but I was like, damn, okay, I see you. They did that. They doubted you, and all he kept saying is, "We coming, we coming." And then after the game, what he say? We ain't coming no more. We here. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen with the silver and black. That that Josh McDaniels is going to take them to Denver and Buffalo 
back home against Pittsburgh and back out on the road against L.A. and all of a sudden just start running through these teams and talking about we, we ain't coming, we're here. But I bet you they have no problem doubt being doubted. They have no problem with that. All they got to do is go out there and prove, and I say all, it's a big task. They got to prove that they, they, they really are a team with a plan, and they are a team that has the talent to go out there and get it done. With that being said, when it comes to the talent, the question I threw out there to you, who is the Raiders' MVP this season? Who is the defensive player of the year if the MVP is different? And who is the rookie of the year for the silver and black? All these are Raiders-related. MVP, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year. Those are the questions I ask. 69187, keyword r Also, 702-365-9200 when we don't have a guest. Matter of fact, you can get a call in or two. We will come back with head coach Rick Rich, Rick. Rich Morocco, sorry, Liberty High School. Sorry, Rich. Uh, he's the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award winner. But if we have a call or two, we'll get to those, and then we'll get to Rich. So uh, go ahead and hit us up. Feel free. Let us know what you think about the upcoming season. Raiders MVP, Raiders Defensive Player of the Year, and Raiders Rookie of the Year. 429 at the time. This is Radish Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at PortaSubs.com. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here we go, Raider Nation. My man Ari in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in Bristol, Connecticut on the campus of ESPN. I'll be here till Friday morning. Then I'll be back in Vegas, touching down, ready to do the show. This show right here, live from Buffalo Wild Wings in the South Outlet. So definitely come check me out, 2 to 5 p.m. We'll have plenty of giveaways to get you ready for the first game of the season on Sunday versus the Denver Broncos. My man Ari is efforting uh, head coach Rich Morocco, Liberty High School. He is the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award recipient. So in the meantime, in between time, I'll go ahead and hit, hit a couple texts on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r This one's from Raider Susan. Q, I wonder if they asked him to restructure his contract because of injuries and or made Tyree the starter. That's Raider Susan. That's a good question. I've always felt like the contract had a lot to do with him still being on the roster. Right, because they restructured them last year, and it really put them in a position where there's a lot of back end money. So now, if they were to move on from Chandler Jones uh, and and release them, it's like almost twenty six million dollars in in uh, you know dead dead money, and most likely that'd be split up amongst two two seasons. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I can't imagine Tyree's ready to be the starter already. I just don't think that he's ramped up that quickly. Right, he's only played one preseason game and only had what fourteen snaps. So I don't think that that's the case. And I don't think that that reaction would be the reaction that he had on social media. And again, I look at it and I like to, you know, take a step back, take a breath and look at the situation. Think about when you've been at a, at a job or maybe this never happened to you and and probably good that it hasn't. But if it has, if you've ever been locked out of your job, right? I mean, that's, that's, that comes from a higher place. That doesn't just come from the ground, the ground floor. Right. That comes from the higher place. So if, if you're looking at the Raiders as like a three floor building, to me, that comes from the third floor, not the first. So that to me makes this really wonder. And Ed Graney brought that great point up on, you know, in, in, in the first hour of the show 
that that's just that's really bizarre, right? I mean, you've got security. You've got, I mean, it's just it's really really bizarre where this whole thing could come from, and that's why I think that there's a lot of elements in play, and that's why I'm being careful when it comes to either speculating about it or this that and the other, just because I don't really have any idea. But thank you so much for that uh, that text, Raider Susan. I do appreciate you. Uh, JT from Santa Cruz. Man, I love Santa Cruz. What a place. That city is so much fun. I used to love to go to Santa Cruz all the time and hang out. And I'm sure JT hears that all the time. He says, hey, Q, big JT from Santa Cruz, now located in Idaho. Oh, well, that's that's a buzzkill. <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> all I did was hype up Santa Cruz, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> As I was reading Idaho. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I got so caught up on Santa Cruz, and it's like, now located in Idaho. Well, okay. <laughs> I hear they got good potatoes. Anyway, I'm sure you hear that all the time. It's every single year we get the hate and disrespect. What do we do? We go in there and dominate against the donkeys. Let's go, Raider Nation. Just win, baby. And you're right. There's absolutely nothing that the Raiders could do at this point. Just go out there and win. They've got to go out and win. And they've got to win consistently or else that hate that we hear every year about the Raiders is this, the Raiders that, is going to be there until they prove otherwise. And we'd be saying the same thing. I just said that about the Broncos. I literally just said the same thing about the Broncos. Until they show me, I'm not going to believe it. Well, that's what the outside forces are saying about the Raiders. Until they show me, we're not going to we're not going to buy it into them. So, I guess, you know, I answer my own question by talking about another team because that's exactly what we do. One more quick text. This one comes from Elliot out the 805Q. You're right. I haven't watched a college football game in years, but I was hooked on the Colorado game. Glad I get to experience Coach Prime time because I was a few years too young to enjoy him as a player. Team MVP, Josh Jacobs, defensive player, Divine Diablo, and rookie Tyree Wilson. That comes from Elliott from the 805. And, yeah, I, I was fortunate to be uh, able to see Dion play. I was a big primetime fan. That's what made me want to be a DB. Now, I was not a good DB, but I wanted to be a DB because of primetime. Like, that was my guy. Uh, he just had that swagger. He had that He had that it factor. Regardless how you feel about him as a person, he is a hell of a player and one of the best to ever do it. So I always enjoyed that. And the fact that, and I remember getting into an argument when I was on ESPN Central Texas, my good friend Ward Whites, who was on the show with me, he got so mad when Dion got that job at Jackson State. And I was like, I was, I was like, you know that song, um, tell him why you mad, son. Tell him why you mad. I was like, why you mad, son? Like, why are you so mad that Dion got a job at Jackson State? No, but it's not like people are knocking down doors to go and be the Jackson State head football coach. He's not walking in, you know, the Dallas Cowboys and, and, and getting a job. He's not walking into Tennessee like they were reporting that Jason Witten was going to do. He went to Jackson freaking State. Nobody's knocking down doors to go there and say, I want to be the Jackson State head coach. He wanted to go to Florida State. They wouldn't give him the job. So he said, you know what? F it. I'm going to go to Jackson State and I'm going I'm to dominate. And that's what he did. Got the opportunity at Colorado and, you know, he's just been grinding. So I, I, I give him so much props for not listening to the people that doubted him, including myself. Uh, you know, just because I didn't think that Colorado was going to be very good fast. I thought it was going to take a while before he was able to get things going in the right direction. That's normally how things go. But Colorado, if they win this upcoming week, and they have Nebraska, so there's a really good chance they have a chance to win that game, they'll exceed their their wins that they had in 2022. They've already tied it with one. And look, like he said, no, the expectations aren't four or five. That's not That's not what I'll be happy for. I'm trying to get to a bowl. I'm trying to win. Like, this is what we do. We win. The, the, the standards haven't changed. I don't care where I'm at. The standards haven't changed. I respect that. I respect that in a major way. So, Coach Prime did it on the high school level. 
He did it at the uh, at the HBCU Jackson State level, and now he's doing it D one Power Five at Colorado. Who, oh by the way, if you don't remember, is uh, going to be a member of the Big Twelve. So there's that. So uh, Colorado's got all eyes on them. Colorado alum Mike Pritchard is a very happy man. He's actually going to be on my ESPN radio show tonight to talk about the success of Coach Prime and what he was able to do in Week One of the college football season. But now it's about that time. Speaking of high school, why don't we go ahead and jump into the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award winner, recipient, that's Rich Morocco. It's time for Q's weekly interview with the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And joining us now on the phone lines is the recipient of the latest Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award, and that's Coach Rick Morocco from Liberty High School. And Coach, you're no stranger to winning High School Football Coach of the Week Award. You're no stranger to winning football games. How does it feel just to be back into another season of high school football? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, and uh, it's always an honor to be recognized. Um, you know, it's it's amazing. I love football. I love coaching. I love, uh, you know, being with the guys and and competing, being out there on the field competing. So, you know, it's it's a great, great time, and the fall's an awesome, awesome time for me. And it's almost, I guess, fall-like weather around here now, right? I mean, all this weather, we <laughs> all this rain we've had and, you know, kind of chilly nights. It's normally still pretty hot right now. So how has the conditioning been for the team, and, and how have you felt they've, they've worked in the preseason so far? Man, it's been a really hot summer. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had to kind of watch how we condition and, uh, you know, in the month of July and early August, you know, we were doing a lot of stuff in the mornings. Um, and then lately the weather's been crazy with the rain. Uh, we were very fortunate to be able to get a, get our game in this week um, and not really have any issues with raining at Liberty, but uh, just up the street at Silverado it was pouring rain. So we were kind of lucky to, to miss out on that. What does it mean for your team? And I mentioned the preseason, it's the non-league uh, time of the year right now where you're, you're scheduling a really tough opponents, kind of preparing yourself for league play, but to come out with a tough fought victory over uh, in the Island classic versus Campbell, one where your defense really had to step up to make sure you won that game. Yeah, I was super proud of our defense. You know, Campbell came in a high scoring offense. I think they scored 60 points in back to back weeks. And uh, um, their quarterback's a four star kid, uh, super accurate. Uh, they, they threw the ball over 50 times that game. And to hold them to 13 po- or 14 points is uh, quite an accomplishment for us. Uh, something hopefully we can build on going into league play. Uh, we play some really good teams coming up here. Obviously, Bishop Gorman. Uh, next week and uh, you know a, a much improved Coronado team this week yeah no there's no doubt and, and league play is what really matters you know I mean the, the non-league the preseason time is important but you like I mentioned schedule some really tough opponents how much does that help yeah. you guys prepare for your league play well we've we've been doing that for a number of years now you know and I, I think it's really contributed to our success um, you know we played the number three team in the country St. John Bosco week one and I was proud of the way we played. Um, you know, we were actually had the lead in the first half for a little bit. Uh, I think at the end of the first quarter, we were winning. And uh, we got behind, and I was just proud of the way the kids battled and didn't give up. And, you know, we came out of that game feeling like, uh, you know, we could play with anybody in the country because uh, because of the way we, we performed in that game. And then, you know, St. Louis, another really – quality team out of Hawaii we were down by 10 in the second half and we battled back and, and won the game and 
And this week we were able to hold on, you know, so all three weeks um, we were able to accomplish something a little different and learn a lot about our team. And um, I believe that's going to pay big dividends for us as we go through the rest of this. Coach Rich Morocco from Liberty High School is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Uh, of course, the, the Island Classic was going on, and you, you got those victories, and those were tough-fought victories. But knowing everything that's been going on in Hawaii and knowing that Vegas is the ninth island, is it a little special yeah. to, to share those fields with those guys from Hawaii and just kind of hopefully for at least a couple hours their minds are on being able to play football and be with their brothers instead of, you know, the the, the, the events that have happened lately? Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, we have a real brotherhood with uh, a lot of the Hawaiian teams. And, uh, you know, we have quite a large Polynesian uh, and Hawaiian uh, community at Liberty. So, uh, you know, when the stuff that happened in Maui, um, you know, we have friends and family that that uh, live there. Uh, my my son-in-law's family is from, from Maui. So, uh, you know, it's special to be able to to bond with them on the field and then also you know we we've, we've tried to help out as best we can um with uh sending some donations and, and some supplies over to maui as well so um you know for them to come into to, to nevada I, I think was special and uh you know we look forward to to continue with that relationship throughout the years you know, I always say that high school football coaches are more than just head coaches. They're more than just X's and O's and wins and losses. And look, at Liberty, you guys have a lot of wins. But how much, especially this event that you're, you're mentioning, being able to, you know, fellowship and also give back to, to the folks in Maui and try to do everything you can to, to, to help them out, how much of that is also a teaching moment for events off the field, just how to be good people in the community, something that high school football coaches are tasked with, you know, raising, raising our children as well? Yeah, you know, football, um, I, I say this to the kids all the time, you know, it's it's an extension of the uh, classroom. It's uh, I mean, the reason we have athletics in, in high school is to to learn more than just wins and losses. You know, it's um, um, and when when situations occur, you know, like the stuff that's happened in Maui or, or other events that have happened in the past, um, I think it's important for kids to understand, like, you know, we, we're a part of a bigger community and this is how communities rally. And this is the things that we can do to, to help with each other. And, um, you know, our, our kids at our school are, are very, um, cognizant and aware and, and are willing to, um, you know, do community service and to give back. And, and that's special to see as a, as a head coach. So, um, you know, our, our football team obviously is, is big with that, but also our student council, you know, they got behind it and, and really the whole school kind of came together. So it's, it's that special to see. The Raiders, they're very heavily involved in the community. Obviously, there's been plenty of events over at the facility, and uh, they have the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. They're out at many different Friday night games, you know, just representing. Uh, how, how much does that kind of help also just with the community growing aspect to have a professional football team be as heavily involved as the Raiders are? It's been so special, you know, um, prior to the Raiders getting here, uh, you know, you kind of wonder what it would be like to be in a, in an NFL city. And, uh, they've, they've really stepped up and, and done so many amazing things, things that most people don't even know that they're doing, you know, that they, they do in, in silence. And, uh, you know, I'm the president of the Southern Nevada football coaches association, and I've gotten to work closely with, uh, Miles Hayes and, and Jordan Aguilar and, and the whole Raiders uh, organization. And, 
and they've just done so much for high school sports, you know, with camps and clinics and obviously uh, financial do- donations, um, helping teams out with getting helmets and uniforms and cleats and gloves. And, and just, it's been such a, such an awesome experience. And I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, that they're so giving with their resources and their time and their, their knowledge. And, uh, you know, I look forward to working with them for many years to come. I, I want to say the last time that I ran into you was at the facility, and it was a seven-on-seven, I think, a Nike event that was going on. There was a lot of schools uh, there represented. Yeah. How big is that for your team when, when your players are able to go and actually be in a professional football team's facility and even meet and greet with some of the players that come by and stop and watch? Yeah, you know, I mean, every kid dreams of, uh, I think every at least football kid dreams of maybe making it to the NFL someday and uh, and uh, having a team in your own backyard um, maybe makes it more of a more of a attainable goal for them. Maybe you know, um, it's sometimes it seems like, and it is. It's a very, very only such a very tiny percentage of kids ever make it to the NFL, but. Uh, for a high school kid to see NFL players, to see NFL facilities, you know, it, it maybe inspires them a little more to keep pushing for their dreams. And, um, and I, you know, I, I think that's, that's a big, big thing for kids, you know, um, to keep them, keep them on the right path and to keep them working towards those goals. So it's been, it's been great to see. I think it's been really positive, especially, you know, the last couple of drafts. I feel like that there's really an uptick on, on kids getting drafted into the league from the Las Vegas area, representing, mm-hmm. you know, Liberty, uh, every Gorman, of course, and, and different schools uh, in the area. But I think that there's been a nice little uptick of, of representation in the league. Absolutely. Vegas, uh, the last few years, has really produced a lot of kids. I think there's some, I think RJ posted something the other day. Uh, I think there's like, eight or nine Las Vegas kids right now currently on NFL rosters. That's awesome. Uh, you know, we have, we have one that's at, uh, the, the Ravens. I know the, the Gorman has several desert mm-hmm. pines has a couple, um, Western has a guy, you know, Lawrence guy who's still in the league. Um, so it's, it's great. And, uh, hopefully, you know, Las Vegas residents are proud of that. And, and I think there's going to be even more in the next few years coming up. Yeah, I do too, and and I, I'm enjoying watching the the high school football action that goes on on Friday nights, and especially you know Liberty. You guys are doing a, a fine job there, as you very well know. Again, you guys are, have a program that's just rich in tradition of winning multiple games. Well, Coach, uh, league play starts this week. You've got Coronado. You mentioned earlier a much improved Coronado team. Uh, what what challenges do they present? What do you see from the Cougars this week? Uh, their offense is uh, multifaceted. You know, they've got some good skill players. Um, we've got to do a good job defensively you know against them and um you know hopefully we'll we'll be able to uh move the ball as well ourselves you know um i think we maybe have a little bit of an advantage on the on the line um and uh you know hopefully we could take advantage of that but uh you know coach dupree's it's his first year coronado um he's done a great job he, you know, he came down from reno um he coached in town last year at i think legacy so um, you know, I know he's doing a, he's doing all the right things over there. He's got some NFL guys helping him out with Brandon Marshall and, uh, I heard Steven Jackson's helping out over there too. So, hmm. uh, I look forward to, uh, hopefully getting that rivalry going again. We haven't played him in a few years, but, uh, it's always a good time when we play Cornell. 
Well, I'm sure it's going to be a, a fun night out, and I know it's going to be fun for the for your team out there on, on Friday nights getting league play started. It, it all matters now. Preseason's great, but league play is what really matters, and you got to start stacking those Ws. Well, Coach, again, congratulations on being the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week uh, award recipient, and congratulations on the, the victories that your team's been able to stack so far in the preseason. And much luck to you this week and, and every week following. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. There he goes, Coach Rick, Rich Morocco from uh, Liberty High School, Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award recipient, and he's been there, done that many times. Liberty has that rich tradition of winning, and, man, they got this one with Coronado on Friday, but then they got the big daddy, the big daddy against uh, Bishop Gorman. You don't want to look ahead one game at a time, but that is going to be a fantastic fantastic game you know what i went a little bit long and i don't know every segment today uh why don't we go ahead and give out some winning before we wrap this thing up two tickets to the aces versus the mercury sunday afternoon fan appreciation day you want your tickets again we've got two tickets right now call number nine at 702-365-9200 you want to go see the aces and the phoenix mercury this is gonna be a really big game the aces need to get every single victory they can to hold on to that number one spot so we're going to get you in the building and uh, hook you up with a pair of tickets just like that. Again, 702-365-9200. Call number nine. That's going to do it for today's show. Ari, fantastic job in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Definitely appreciate your efforts. Thanks to all the guests that we had. Thank you for all the callers. Thank you for all the texters. Everyone who gave us feedback on the show, we appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 5 p.m. on Red Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.